Hi, Gina. Hey. All right. So this is episode three of the Live Good, Live Well podcast. We have Gina Jane on as our first ever guest, and we will be talking about body image as it relates to her specialty from uh, being trained as a pre-professional ballerina, which is completely foreign to me. I can't dance at all. (laughs) And um, now she is currently a wellness coach focused in the mental health space. So Gina, if you'd like to give a a little bit deeper introduction, that would be, that would be great. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, I am currently operating in the wellness arena, like you said, Uh, but back in the day, I was trained as a competitive dancer and was going to dance pre-professionally, but as I got older, I realized that I never felt like I was enough in the dance world. Uh, I was always the tallest and therefore I weighed the most, but I kind of took that as a personal failure that I would never be where I wanted to be in the dance world because I didn't fit the body type. Um, And that got really, really hard on me mentally and eventually physically uh, as I fell into some disordered eating patterns. Um, And I won't go into the specifics there. It's very much no fun. Anyone who's been through it will uh, let you know that it is absolute hell to go through. Um, so once I went to college, I decided that I would leave dance on the back burner, uh, and I went for a psych degree through that I've had experience going into exercise obsession. Uh, some people call it orthorexia and it was just such a huge transition from, hey, I've been dancing for five hours a night, six days a week, uh, and now I have nothing. What do I do? So it was a long, long journey, and I feel like it's still one that I take on every day of learning to love and appreciate my own body for what it can do instead of judging it for what it isn't. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Probably not in the same dancing environment, but just life in general, social media and magazines and movies and, you know, just the world at large throw at us these images of what we should look like. But in reality, not many people look like that. So, you know, it gets into our heads of this model that we that we think we should conform to, but we're all unique and so different Then we have to kind of unlearn those things and relearn how to love ourselves just as we are. And I think you touched on a really good point of, um, you know, you were spending five hours a day, six days a week, that's 30 hours a week. That's basically a full-time job, um, mm-hmm. a few hours shy of it, but you had to learn to, to replace that with something else. So what have you, what have you done to, to really transform your own, call it your day-to-day schedule to, to get to a happier place of not feeling like you're missing something, but that you're, you're in a place of feeling fulfilled and like you're doing enough. Right. So for me, 
it had to go back uh, very, very far because that not good enough is kind of a root cause of uh, a lot of issues in my life. And so I figured that, hey, I have kind of this trauma going on. And eventually I decided to go to therapy. Um, part of my wellness arena is the destigmatization of that experience. People are very hesitant to go to therapy. Um, but it's really an amazing experience if you can make that connection with an outside resource. I mean, I've been going every week for about three years now. And some weeks it may be a more of a chore to go. And some weeks you may walk out feeling like you hit some revelations. But it, it really did make an experience that was focused on how I was thinking, what I was thinking, and why uh, to really self-center my focus and to really self-care, not in a selfish way, but I was putting out that my worth was based in how I looked and how I performed. And now I had to look inside and really ask myself, well, what am I without those things? Am I still worthy? Uh, of course, yes is the answer, but it took a long time to be able to say that for myself. And, and therapy is one thing that uh, got me to that point, to answering th that question, am I good enough? And you have to have to be at the point where you can say, I am good enough, not based on how I look, not based on my Instagram followers. What I am is enough. And that's just from existing. That's a really powerful thing to learn. And I want to touch on something. I want to deviate just barely. And I want to, to touch on therapy. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people go and a lot of people find it um, extremely helpful, myself included, but there's still a large stigma around it. And you mentioned the word destigmatization, I think. Mm -hmm. And I want to, um, I want to ask for the people that have never been to therapy or that have had um, a less than ideal experience, how do you go about finding a therapist that fits you and that fits your needs? And how do you deal with it when, you know, from a, a simple scheduling perspective of, you know, needing to leave work in the middle of the day or mm -hmm. working it into your evening schedule, whatever, you know, just the, the simple logistics of it. How do you, so to recap, how do you find one that fits you and how do you um, work it into your life without feeling like you're going to be judged or how do you push through that? Right. That's a really good point because it, it is one of those things where I feel that the conversation is open to, oh, you've gone to therapy. Uh, how was that for you? Well, it worked for me. Okay, great. Maybe I'll try that. But then it, the conversation ends kind of because there are those logistics. Uh, what I did is I got a list from my insurance uh, and that was pretty simple. I found it online. Uh, there are uh, always open a call as well and then I started googling because we have this open resource to us that uh, is very very useful uh, it brought me to different counseling centers and most of them have bios 
that you can read because they put out, you know, their specialty and where they work, who they work with, some with couples, some with uh, young adults, some with the geriatric population. Uh, it took me mm, three or four different therapists before I found one that I liked. And so with that, there was a lot, a lot of frustration. But looking back, it was the right decision to at least try those experiences. I always advocate go and try. And then if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. That doesn't mean therapy is not a good fit. That means that that therapist was not a good fit. If that makes sense. Of course, of course, because they're people too. Right. And how to work it into your schedule. Again, a totally reasonable thing. Um, Because people think, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, I don't have money for that. Mm -hmm. Money is one thing I will uh, understand because if you don't have insurance, you do need to find a counseling center that is supported by probably your local county board and they can help you out financially. Otherwise, there is a copay that can be 20, 25 bucks, which maybe a lot when you add it up of how many times am I going but again you're investing in yourself you know you spend Mm -hmm. that money every day on different things rent food all that and you're really investing in yourself people have an issue with spending money on themselves sometimes especially for self-improvement so I just wanted to touch on that but being able to carve out that time as well I hear oh, well, I can't take the time off work because then that's taking money away. Or I can't take the time off work because I don't want to tell my boss that I'm doing this. I found that employers and coworkers are super open to this idea. I've approached it in different ways by saying, oh, I have a doctor's appointment to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I have a meeting for school to go to. And work it around that way which is totally fine and valid. It's not like you're just straight up lying to the person. Um, But it gives you a way to ease into the process and finding what works for you, finding if once a week is reasonable or if that's not reasonable at all with your 60-hour-a-week schedule, then maybe carve out one hour per month. You know, it's really able to mold to your needs and the resources you have. Absolutely. I think you touched on a lot of good points. For for my own experience, I have found it quite easily to, and I work in, a, in an urban area, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of resources in a small and a dense area, but I have found amazing therapists within a mile radius of my office and I've made appointments to go on a lunch break. I might mm-hmm. take a late lunch break, but I've just worked it in that way. So I'm not really missing anything. I don't really, I've not had to really explain, you know, where I'm going in the middle of the day. I just, you know, go out for a, maybe a slightly longer lunch, maybe 10 or 15 minutes more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's never been an issue in other situations. I've, I've scheduled evening appointments, say at six or seven o'clock and a lot of therapists work late evenings because they understand that their client base have day jobs too. Mm. So I think it's something that um, has been invaluable to me. I can't put a dollar value on the, the outcome um, that therapy has provided to me. 
Um, so I am a huge advocate for it. I think everybody should go at some point in their lives just because we have all of this untapped and usually un- unprocessed emotional stuff from mm-hmm. our childhood, whether it was trauma or um, just you know, things that we couldn't talk about because we didn't have the words at six years old or 10 years old or things like that. Um, and so therapy is a way to, to just work through all of the past stuff and get to um, a baseline of the present. Um, so I think, I, I think your, your message is spot on. I think, um, you know, there are, there are resources out there um, regardless of your, your income or your, your insurance uh, level. Right. So uh, thank you for, for going into that. Um, back to kind of our, our main theme of, of um, body image and, and that general topic. So what has been your experience helping others with their own body image issues? And you can talk about specifics or, or in generalities, but say, I, I think women um, tend to carry it a bit more. Um, but also the men, I feel like they're an underserved population in a lot of topics too, but they also, um, you know, they're human too, and they're, they're subjected to all of this as well. So if you see any, if you have any stories about, um, differences in gender and how people process it differently, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. So the, and you bring up a good point, men have body image issues too it's it's not exclusive to women I do find that these stereotype is true where men are more closed off and less willing to reach out with an issue they're having as far as like hey I'm not really super confident in my body they won't really walk up and say that to me Uh, But you can tell kind of in the way they carry themselves and in their actions, because I find a lot of men fall into that, quote unquote, gym rat category are very have very low self-esteem. And you wouldn't know that by looking at them because they spend so much time in the gym, so much time focusing on their nutrition and their protein powder and their pre-workout and all these different things, which is, again, outwardly a healthy behavior. But it depends what mindset you're doing it with. Just like I said, with uh, orthorexia and and overworking out and being there three hours at a time. uh, I didn't have a healthy mindset when I was doing that. My goal was to get smaller, get smaller, build up muscles, lose weight, burn calories, and try not to put those back on when I got home. Whereas, you know, what you're supposed to do is, is recover and take a nutrients to, so your body can do that. So it is interesting. I live with my partner and he likes to go to the gym. It's one of his coping strategies to get out energy, um, to really feel good about himself but in the way that he wants to feel strong because he knows he can mentally do so much but he wants that physical strength to match so I I do ask a lot because I've had previous experiences uh, with using exercise maladaptively but his insight and his mindset, like I've explained it, is completely different to mine. 
Um, and I've had to ease my way back into exercise and movement, whereas he doesn't have an issue with it. So it's interesting in the way that it just depends on what your goal is, what your mindset is around things like exercise and dieting. For me, dieting is a no-go. Absolutely not. I think diets don't work because they're restrictive. Uh, Eventually, you will gain the weight back. But if someone is really excited and telling me about their diet, I will let them speak and I'll hold that space for them. But I don't contribute to Diet Talk personally because I felt that it had an influence on my life growing up and seeing even my own mother just trying to diet book after book of different diets and low carb diets and tracking your calorie intake diets and eating something different at family dinner because she was watching her weight. That kind of takes makes an influence on a young girl. Like it's kind of lets you know that, Hey, this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, so I, I stray away from it uh, as much as possible these days. I don't contribute to diet talk. Um, and honestly, I stay away from people who do. So like you mentioned with uh, social media, I've had to clean up my social media feed so that only body positive things are popping up when I see fitness page after fitness page after fitness page being suggested to me. I've got to click that little button that says, see fewer posts like this because that exists. And it, it has helped tremendously in that way. I think that's fascinating. I agree about the diet talk. I think that, and I could talk at nauseum about this for hours and possibly days and weeks about what we put in and on our bodies. But I think simply um, eating foods in their as close to their natural state as possible. So organically grown produce, Mm -hmm. um, minimally processed meats and, you know, humanely raised meats and things like that. If you're, if you're a meat eater, um, not, you know, raw milk, if it's accessible, all of these different things. I think the over process, the over processing of foods um, and what we think is food in mm-hmm. our modern society has gotten to be so detrimental to our, our basic health. I'm always, I'm always so surprised of, of the number of people that have a problem um, cooking a meal or mm. drinking water or, and it's because all of this other stuff with more flavors and more, you know, chemicals in it um, has been, you know, just, it's, it's everywhere. We've just been inundated with flavor that when we try to go back to basics of eating a sweet potato or a, a salad or drinking a glass of water, it's so hard because it doesn't taste like a bag of Doritos or a Coke or mm-hmm. a Snickers bar, things like that. And you know, at our, at our most basic need, we need real foods and not a hot dog diet or a, you know, insert popular term here diet, because like you said, it's, it's extremely temporary and we just don't sustain life like that. Like we have to have a variety of foods and, and, and things that, that fulfill us on a daily basis, not, um, you know, not a, a, a fad that is so fleeting. And there are a lot of books. Uh, there are a lot of websites. There are a lot of 
um, people selling things and all of those things. And they might work for some people. They might be great. They might be that thing that, that somebody was needing. But I think long term, just knowing how to prepare a meal and make good selections at restaurants if you have to eat out um, is, is vital um, to life. Absolutely. So fully right. agree. And one thing I, I actually had to learn uh, was eating anything is okay, which is totally contradictory to, you know, eating whole foods, uh, unprocessed foods. In my process of uh, what I call recovery for me was, hey, I'm kind of feeling ice cream with fruity pebbles on it for breakfast. All right, I'm going to eat that it was really, really tapping into my intuition and not shutting it down, not shoving it down and saying, no, you're wrong. You don't want that. You need uh, avocado toast. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really noticing that, hey, I can let my body have these foods when it wants it. And I don't really change in weight that much. Like it, it ebbs and flows and the appetite ebbs and flows and what I crave does as well. And sometimes it's a salad. And again, sometimes it's ice cream with fruity pebbles on it. Uh, it really ex- accepting your appetite intuition for what it is uh, has helped tremendously. I think that's a fascinating point. How mm-hmm. can other people that listen to this integrate that into their own lives how how do you get over that hump of the shoulds mm-hmm. and you know the the what we're what we think we should be eating or what we are told we should be eating to what feels right and yes. what's okay so I would say first step would be clean up the messages you're getting if possible uh like I said and, and you know we're very much engaged with social media and that has an influence and you can say, Oh, so-and-so posted their breakfast this morning and it was a acai fruit bowl. And maybe I should be making that. I'm going to make that. Um, So cleaning up those images, you're getting there and then moving into the arena of treat yourself. Doesn't have to be a once in a week thing. Doesn't have to be a, once in a day thing treat yourself is actually listening to what you actually want and going through with it by giving it to yourself that's a fascinating um perspective to Mm -hmm. put that in that's awesome i fully agree yeah all right um is there anything that as related to body image and mm-hmm. eating and exercising, is there anything that people can take away right now to go do to change their life? That's a really good question. So I think I would stick to check out your own life and the influences you're getting. And are they productive to you living a life you want or a life focused on how you look because when we're no longer here no one is going to remember oh yeah Gina she was really skinny and strong Mm, 
I don't want that to be my legacy. I want my legacy to be helping others and no one's going to mention my weight in that description. So really think of what, what value are you, are you living to and are the things surrounding you are the messages you're getting in line with that value. So are you feeding yourself physically and mentally in the way that is productive to your value and not necessarily based around how you look because that is a more of a self-esteem centered argument with yourself so i would say take a take a bigger picture look kind of take an inventory and then see what you can control to align it better for your life like i said that can be in the way of social media feeds that can be in the way of who you talk to and about what um don't be afraid to reorient conversations if someone wants to go on about their diet say oh that's really interesting um can we talk about something else and oddly enough most people are really considerate about those things they don't have to ask you 20 questions well why can't i talk about this well why don't you want to do this you just simply say no thanks and pass along to the next subject um if you do find yourself again i i'm always going to advocate uh for therapy if you find yourself in that uh trauma space that you think that internal healing can be done to get you back to a baseline or to try and investigate hey where where is this coming from so i would advocate for maybe taking that first step today maybe thinking about where you can receive counseling and going from there so those would be my my uh top picks for what can you do today that's fantastic. So we've mo- both mentioned the word baseline as mm-hmm. it relates to therapy. In your opinion, what is the difference between therapy and life coaching? Uh, we're both life coaches, so that's why I ask to, um, to get a perspective on both. When should people go to therapy and when should they seek out a life coach? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, the, the baseline is after you've not necessarily solved that trauma, but you've investigated it and you know it's there because I have connections in coaching doesn't mean that I'm fully at my baseline and just ready to flourish. No, I'm also in therapy uh, that helps me remember my past and how to use it to go forward to the future. Whereas coaching, you are going from where you are today and how can you flourish from there? Not necessarily taking into account all that background, but that background is super important if you're having kind of trauma in your life or just healing from dysfunctional childhood a lot of people have that experience and I'm sure can resonate with I didn't realize I was raised weird but now as an adult it's sneaking in in different ways uh so my path was my path to therapy was 
very clear, not only with disordered eating patterns, but with uh, depression and anxiety. So my path to there and knowing that I needed to go to therapy before I could go to coaching and even keeping therapy while I do coaching was clear, whereas other people may not think that they have trauma in their past. They may not think they have a complicated history. I wouldn't stray away from trying coaching. Your coach will let you know if they think, hey, you know what, this is a good relationship, but you've mentioned this thing over and over again that's happened in your past. Maybe we could indulge in the idea of doing therapy in conjunction or doing therapy and coming back to that coaching relationship later. So they're open to giving you advice on, on where you are. If you really feel lost, like, I don't even know what I need. Just have a conversation with a coach or a therapist and, and see where it goes. That's a great um, definition. Thank you very much. Yeah. Final two questions. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you on social media or the internet at large? And what message would you like to leave with people that you interact with? Those are really good questions. Well, the first one is simple. Uh, I am largely on Instagram at hello.gina.here, um, where I'll post anything from short snippets of day-to-day things you can do or revelations I've had in the past to random inspirational quotes that I like to use and stick on my wall um now question about the impact i'd like to have so if i were to interact with anyone on a daily basis i would want them to walk away knowing that i am a genuine person who spreads kindness into this world and as cliche as that sounds I don't think it's cliche enough to not say because we meet so many people every day and we interact with so many people every day that we may not even see again ever in our lives. But you've all, I I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience when you meet someone, whether it's you're ordering coffee from them or you're having coffee with them. Um, and people can seem fake in the way that they're putting up a front either to hide the fact that they got no sleep or had an argument uh, with their partner or are, I don't know, thinking about other things. Whereas I want to live my life genuinely and honestly and vulnerably. So I come to exchanges with others with everything I have, not baggage packed away in the closet, but as open parts of myself, the good and the bad. Um, And so I will spread kindness because I don't know what anyone else is going through. It's a common adage in the in the mental health community you never know what someone else is going through their struggle may be so so great 
and they might just be showing up to their 99 to 5 to serve you coffee. Why would we give them disrespect? Uh, so that that would be my message to share and if anyone would to walk away with an interaction with me, I I'd want them to know that I I am a genuine person and I'm going to treat you with kindness because I I don't know what's going on in your life and and genuinely I'm like a kind person. I'm a pretty polite person. So I I want to I want to let them know that their their space and in our interaction was important no matter how brief. That's beautiful. I think if if more of us went through life with that very genuine and compassionate attitude it would be such a happier place and overall it is a happy place in my experience but I just think that is I think that's something that we're moving towards and I think social media gets a bad rap for a lot of things but I think there's also so much good that Mm -hmm. that gets spread from it and things like that are are at the forefront of that Gina, thank you so much. Uh, again, you were the first guest. So thank you for being uh, kind of the guinea pig in this. This is a fun experience and I hope to have you on again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.